so good morning. Um, so thank you for welcoming us, and uh, trust after worship we'll get to interact a little bit during our uh, during the potluck time. So it's always good to um, enjoy the food. Uh, those are you know it's fun. Um, the uh, what does it say in the scripture? The the offerings were a sweet. Uh, a sweet offering, pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. What we sometimes forget is that when they did the offerings, they also had a feast. So some of it was provided as a burnt offering to the Lord, some of it was provided as specifically for the priests and the Levites, and some of it was for the rest of the people there. We don't often think about that. I'm going to introduce myself a little bit. We're going to be doing uh, a few different things this morning, eventually getting to the Word and spending some time there. Tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, so Christy and I met at a place called John Brown University in Arkansas. I'm a farm kid from Iowa, dairy farm. Christy was kind of a semi-city girl from Illinois, sort of. And uh, uh, we, uh, the Illinois part or the Iowa part? The Illinois part. Okay, we've got a couple of Illinois people back there, so uh, for the uh, land of Lincoln. Anyway, uh, we met in Arkansas. Uh, Christy was a music major. I was an education major uh, for part of that time. You know how God brings people together? And there's more to that story. You can talk to her about that. But uh, we were married in 1979. Uh, after she graduated, I had a year left. We went back, and I finished. And then we moved to Sioux Falls, where I attended seminary, uh, with one of your former pastors, Pastor Steve May. Is that right? Steve and Debbie, right? Steve and Debbie, I think, was maybe a year behind me in, in, in seminary, but we were there from 1980 to 83. While we were there, uh, we started having children. You know, they told us that could happen once you got married. <clears throat> but I guess we didn't pay attention as much to what they said about that. But anyway, so we had two sons in um, Sioux Falls. Mark is 37 and lives in Minneapolis and has been involved a lot in, in youth and worship ministry throughout in North Dakota and also in Minneapolis area. A year ago, stepped away from that and now is involved in the public school and special education. Mike is uh, 35 and uh, he also went to the place where Christy and I went to college and lo and behold, what happened? He got married. Okay, so his wife was in Arkansas, so they stayed there. God's provided three uh, children for them. So I tell everybody this, the reason you have kids is because of the grandkids. And you understand that once you have the grandchildren. So uh, hopefully we're going to get to see them in about a week, a little bit over a week. They're going to be coming up to visit us during Thanksgiving. Um, we, have, uh, we moved to Linton, North Dakota after seminary. Pastored there for seven years. While we were there, we had two more kids, uh, Ryan and uh, Lisa. Ryan is 32 and lives in Minneapolis, except he's a reservist in the Navy, Lamar, and uh, he is going, uh, he has been on a deployment previously to Afghanistan. He is going to be, he's in Mississippi right now for some training, a little bit more in California, and then we'll be deploying land-based uh, in the Middle East somewhere with uh, a group. So we don't know what he does. He's a cryptologic something or other, uh, secure communications. So um, anyway, uh, so Ryan uh, will be over there for a while. Uh, we have a daughter, Lisa, who lives in Fargo, and she's a labor and delivery nurse. 
And then our youngest daughter, uh, in 1990, we moved from Linton to Jamestown, where we live now. And I pastored, uh, for the first 12 years, uh, two churches, one in Medina, which if you're familiar with Medina, you're familiar, that's the camp address of Crystal Springs Camp. Uh, but I pastored there for 12 years, and then also in Jamestown, two charge. And then in Jamestown, uh, the church grew to the point where I couldn't serve both churches, resigned there in, in 2002, continued to serve for another 15 in Jamestown, um, and where we continue to live. So two weeks ago was my last Sunday at the church. Uh, we served there 27 years, but while we were in Jamestown, while we've been in Jamestown, we thought it was four and no more, and God said no four and one more, and so about nine and a half, almost ten years after our, our last child, we had another daughter. Her name is Karen, and she lives in Grand Forks now and is in her third year at the university there uh, studying occupational therapy. So um, that's our family. A little bit about us. Uh, the regional minister position, how do we get into that? Well, um, I've been encouraged a couple of times, actually more than that, to consider a uh, position in this region, but also in a couple of other regions. And after Pastor Gordon passed, um, it seemed like God had been saying some, it, well, God had been leading before, saying, Randy, you need to be preparing for something different. And uh, I've been kind of trying to prepare our people for when we weren't there. And uh, we'd added a, a new staff position a little over a year ago, and he's been a great, great addition. But after Gordon's passing, um, uh, it seemed like God was nudging us to consider that position. And the 24th of August, uh, the regional leadership team, which is two members from the Manitoba Association, two members from the North Central Association, of which we're a part here, um, invited us uh, to become the regional minister. So that's a little bit of that. But I, I need to tell you as well that there are connections a little bit with your church for, for some, some time. I had a lady by the name of Irene Steiger say to me, who's a member of our congregation, she's 92, um, our congregation. I'm the regional, I'm not the pastor there anymore, but I'm still a member there. So I'm getting used to that. So that's hard for me. Um, She's 92, but she is a Troutman from Eureka, uh, and she said that she's relation through Irene Huber and Henry Lang. So, and I remember uh, John, your father, Berkeley, at uh, Crystal Springs when he would come for the men's retreats. Uh, that was when I was serving mostly in, in, in Linton, but a little bit, I think, also in Jamestown and we would see him come, and maybe Mr. Huber as well, first on, and maybe some of the rest of you. So um, I realize for some of you that's, that's ancient history, but that kind of gives you a little bit of a, a sense of the history that we have. So I understand that a year ago, Pastor Gordon was supposed to come out for an installation for you. Is that correct? That didn't happen. I sometimes feel like we're kind of like pastors or kind of like water heaters. You know, after you get them, uh, you install them, but it's like we're already being used, you know, the hot water's already coming. But um, we're going to do a little prayer around Pastor Josh and Leslie, and I told Caleb that we were going to have him come up, but he didn't understand what it was going to be for, and Noah. But before we do, I just want to share a couple things with you as a congregation. First off... Um, 
you all know this, but you all have places, this is kind of your home. For some of you, it's been generations. Others of you have married in and have moved from other places. For pastors, it's a little different. We tend to come from different places. Uh, of course, the McLaughlin's from, uh, from Washington, eastern Washington. Um, we came from Iowa and Indiana, or Illinois and Indiana and that kind of that area. And so to travel, to be with family meant it was difficult. You know, it was a long way. It took a long ways to, time to get home. We often weren't there, often weren't there during special times. My own mother uh, has passed 10 years ago, and we weren't there during a lot of the times of her decline. Uh, next week, we're going to be there for... Uh, right after Thanksgiving for my father's 80th and uh, celebrate with him. But we often don't get to do that. So I just want to challenge you and invite you to remember your pastor and wife and, and family, that to think about including them. I haven't told them this. I haven't told them this, these kinds of things. But to, to think about that, how sometimes they don't have that family uh, or family, but it's far away. So to, to think about encouraging them, to think about what that means, um, and, and to reach out to them. It, it can be sometimes kind of a lonely, uh, kind of a lonely task. Uh, a couple charges to you, Pastor, that you would love your people. Now, what I'm sharing with you is what was actually shared with me on the installation of my first church. But I remember two things, and that's what I'm going to share. And I know you love your people, so my challenge to you is to keep on loving your people. Um, they want to know that. They want to know that they are special. They want to know that, that you care for them. And I know that you do, but keep on loving your people. And people, that you would love your pastor, that you would love his family. And, uh, and I know you do, and so my charge to you is to keep on loving your pastor and his family. We're going to do something now that is unscripted, and they're not expecting, but we're going to pray around them because a year ago that you didn't have that opportunity in a formal setting. So what I'm going to ask is that the McLaughlins come up, and I would like to ask for ladies and guys and kids to come around the family. Come on up, and we're going to pray for them, okay? So come on up. Some of you, you would all come up if you want, but we're just going to have them stand in the center here. And we're just going to pray around them. Okay? You don't like that. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter. We didn't ask you if you didn't like it. We're going to still do it. That's good. Yeah, you just come on up. We're going to pray for them. Yeah. We're just, and, and that's great. Just put your hand on them if you'd like, or just put your hand on somebody else that's putting your hand on them. And uh, we're just going to pray around them, okay? Jesus, we want to thank you for this family that you brought to be a part of this church family, this broader family. And God, we thank you for these guys. We thank you for Noah and Caleb. We thank you for Leslie and Pastor Josh. And God, we thank you for bringing them to Plevna for the, for the ministry here, and that ministry involves people. It involves people connected to this church, but, but Lord God, it involves people that, that don't know you, people that are wounded, people that have, a, have maybe a bad taste in their mouths about what church is, or, 
Or maybe, Lord, people that have been hurt over the years. Or maybe people that just have no idea of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So, Father, we pray for the McLaughlins as they lead this church family. Father, help us to to recognize that he is uh, our shepherd under the chief shepherd, Jesus. And help us to to be an encouragement to him, to come alongside him and and, and to to be there for him and and to, to speak with him and to share with him. Help us to love him and love Leslie and, and love these guys. And Lord God, help them to continue to love the people, to this, this church family. God, and in that, that you would be glorified, that people would begin to see Jesus in and through them. And Father, that, that you would receive the glory and that this people would walk and receive the joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you for them. Amen. Thank you for coming on up. Yeah, he didn't know I was going to do that. Caleb asked me if I was going to have a children's feature, and I said, well, I don't know about that, but I will have you come up. So it was a little surprise to, to Caleb, I think. But, uh... So what is a regional minister? You have a, a note in your bulletin. Uh, uh, some of you got to know Pastor Gordon a little bit. Before that, Pastor Phil uh, served as a regional minister. And so what is it? Well, quite frankly, we're kind of a weird group, okay? Um, But our primary job is, as I've listed there in your, uh, Pastor Josh put this in, and I took this, frankly, from the letter of resignation that I did with our own church to explain what it is. The primary function of the regional minister is to assist the churches of the Northern Plains region. And and what is that? It's it's 34 churches in the North Central Association from Plevin, Montana, to Fargo, North Dakota, to Grand Forks, to Minot, to Aberdeen, to, you know, to McIntosh and Isabel and, and Harriet and Eureka and um, Ashley and Wishick and Linton and, and Valley City and Jamestown and Carrington and Animus and Martin and Harvey and Turtle Lake, and Mercer, and Minot, I already said that, Washburn, and couple in Bismarck, and Beulah, and Dickinson, and Hebron, and New Leipzig, and I'm forgetting some. And then 18 churches in Manitoba. Last Sunday, I was at a church east of Winnipeg. They talk a little different there. Hey. but they love Jesus too. And together we support, we are part of the Northern Plains region. So my primary function is, is quite frankly, to help you become the most healthy you can become. And one of the primary people that I work with, the pastors, that they become healthy. Because Healthy pastors contribute to healthy churches. And healthy churches contribute to being used by God to multiply 
to have babies. Okay? Now, you can be not healthy and have babies. We call those church splits. And unfortunately, there's way too many of those in conflicts. But when there's healthiness, there's a natural thing that happens, and that is that, that, other, that God begins to bless in ways that other people come to know Jesus as well. And so the primary uh, group I work with are, are pastors and church leaders, so that they become more missional, especially in their own communities. Uh, I serve a, a bit as a mentoring resource for pastors and other church leaders, encouraging leadership development and also ministry multiplication. I also assist in a role in helping churches work together. Um, placement for pastors when that needs to take place. Uh, needs for pastors and staff or churches when they're looking for leaders. And then offering assistance, uh, quite frankly, all too frequently for churches experiencing conflict. I'm doing that right now, right out of the gate. I've got issues, and so you pray for me about that. Um, promoting also regional things, but also conference things, NAB conference. Uh, I've been, uh, been able to serve on the executive committee of our conference for a number of years, and so there are things coming up. One thing that you need to think about is, is gathering a few nickels and dimes and dollars together to make sure that your pastor and family and maybe others can um, attend the uh, triennial conference in Edmonton this next July, but that's, a, that's an opportunity to come up. So uh, it's a new gig for me, honestly. Um, uh, I'm not unfamiliar with it, but it is a bit of a different role. And so if you'd pray for me, I, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, enough of all that. I want us to get into God's Word. Deuteronomy 16. Uh, I don't know, are we going to project these words or not? Did we, did we talk to... We didn't talk to Scott about this. Okay, Deuteronomy 16, we're going to work, look at the first 17 verses together, and I'm going to draw a couple of things together on this. It's going to be a rather a quick thing. <coughs> the reason I'm using this text, you'll find out in just a moment, but Deuteronomy 16, I am going to be reading from the ESV. So you've got King James, NIV, all kinds of other stuff, so we'll just look at it together, okay? Deuteronomy 16, now I, I will tell you this, that it talks about three feasts or celebrations. And this is not the only place in the Old Testament it talks about. It first talks about it in Exodus, there are references in Numbers, and then more specifics in Leviticus about how you do the sacrificing. But in Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy again is Moses, kind of his last instructions to the people before he turns over the leadership to Joshua before they enter in the promised land, and before he dies, okay? So he's giving them kind of the reason and the meaning behind these festivals. So we're going to go through this rather quickly. Observe, verse 1, the month of Abib, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night, and you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat with it, uh, eat it with unleavened bread and the bread of the affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came up out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh 
that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all the night until morning. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice with any of your towns, uh, within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it, there you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came up out of Egypt. And you shall cook it, and shall eat it in the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord, to Yahweh your God. You shall not do any work on it. Now, that's the first one. It's called Passover, sometimes called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, sometimes it's called the Feast of the First Fruits because it was the significance of the, it was about that time that the first barley harvest would take place. Okay? And as I mentioned in your notes, it was basically late April or late March to April for a time frame. It corresponds to our time when we celebrate Easter, right? With Jesus' um, uh, time. So, uh, his crucifixion, of course, and then his resurrection three day, on the third day. The next festival is seven weeks later, or up to 50 days, which where we get the word Pentecost from. Okay, 55, Penta. You shall count seven weeks Begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put into the standing grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God uh, with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make the name dwell there, his name dwell there. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. The second one is the Feast of Weeks, or Harvest. And um, it would mark the conclusion of the wheat harvest. And this would have been uh, basically in May... Um, or later in May, generally speaking. The third, now, for all of these festivals, it was to be a time when people came to where it says here, the place that the Lord your God will choose for his name to dwell there, which would be where? You remember? Where would that be eventually? Jerusalem, right? So that's not the case here, but Moses is saying this is what you're going to do when that, that place and that time comes. Verse 13, here's the third festival. <coughs> Excuse me. You shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether full of joy. Three days a year, all your males shall appear, or three times shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Uh, this last one, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, 
Also, in another place, it's called the Feast of Ingathering. Now, in some sense, the Harvest Festival was the second of the feasts, but this one marked the time when the, the harvest was, uh, I guess you could say, processed. And it was all brought in. The grapes would have been processed. The, all the... the um, can't think what I want to uh, say here, but the, the, the wheat would have been, and the barley would have been uh, threshed. They would have gathered all of that in. This would be, again, um, uh, this would be in kind of September, October time frame, and it was the time when everything was brought in and stored, and then it would be preparation time because soon it would be planting time. Now, we don't plant here. How many farmers do we have? I know most of you are ranchers. Do any of you? Okay, we've got one farmer here. So I'm a, I'm, 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 so I'm a, I'm a farm kid, okay? And I realize there's ranchers and there's farmers, okay? So I was, I've got a guy uh, in the congregation I used to pastor used to say, I'm a rancher, not a farmer. Okay, I said, okay, I'm sorry, Dan, but that's just old habits. But we wouldn't think of planting in September, October. Uh, maybe you would put in some winter wheat if you didn't have a winter kill uh, late in the summer after you got the soil ready. But this uh, corresponds to the growing season in the Middle East. Specifically, you planted in the fall when you got the, the first rains, and then throughout their winter were the, the, the winter rains, and then the latter rains were kind of in the spring of the year, and then during what we would call our summer months, it was dry season. And so that's when you would harvest, when, when the crops would mature. Uh, similar to some extent for us here, uh, or for you here and for all of us, but it would mature a little earlier because it was planted earlier. And then, of course, the fruits uh, and uh, the different produce from the vines and from the trees. So what does all that mean, and why do I even talk about that? Three things I want to point out to you, uh, and there are a number of other things that you could also do. Um, this is in your, th these are in your notes on the, the listening guide on the back of your, of your worship folder. Um, but three things, celebrating, and you're together today to celebrate. You're together to celebrate God's goodness. You're here to celebrate the work that is going on around the world, whether it's the foxes in Alaska or the Bardens and the um, Palmers in Cameroon at Mbingo. Been there 12 years ago, almost now. It's a wonderful place where God is working. Wonderful place. Um, and it began as a leper colony. That's how it started with a gal by the name of Laura Reddick. Do you ever, anybody remember hearing that name? She was a missionary? Yeah, some of you remember. We used to, when we first moved to Linton, Laura was still living. She, uh, I think she lived in the Carrington area. Can't remember where Laura lived. But we would get together, and she would be at some of our, our gatherings. And uh, then, of course, God called her home. But that, Laura was a part of that, that, that leper colony. Um, you, you support the Fuchs, Bud and Lois. Um, they are not in East Asia, but they are actually living in Utah, and they tried to go more than once. Uh, we've known Bud and Lois for years, um, but they work with international students at a university. 
and it's like God has brought the mission field to them. And so uh, they weren't able to go where they wanted. Of course, they've been in different places. I think they've been in Cameroon. They've, they've maybe been somewhere else, too, uh, over the years. But uh, you support them. Uh, you support uh, who else? You support uh, Paul and Melissa Ewing um, in Japan. Uh, Pastor Paul, uh, Paul's father, David, or David, yeah, David, and his mother, Jean, there we go, used to serve in Bismarck. And when we first moved to Linton, they were pastoring the Century Baptist. Of course, Pastor Dave is now a regional minister in the Eastern Association. Uh, Paul and Melissa serving in Japan. Uh, Sid and Andrea Sparks with New Hope Uganda. Uh, I was just found out that you, uh, I've never met them, but the founders of New Hope Uganda were classmates of ours at John Brown University. Um, um, Help me out, Christy. The, the Dangers, Jay and Vicki Dangers. Uh, and one of their boys was actually a friend of our son who also went to John Brown. Chain of Love is, a, is an orphanage kind of, it's kind of a Brazilian, uh, sort of uh, what they do in Brazil is sort of what like they do in Uganda. A little bit different, but those are mission things. So what, are, what can we take with us from these texts in the Old Testament? Specifically, that we looked at. Three things that I want to leave with you. The first one is this. Celebrating together emphasizes God's provision, that God is the one who provides, but it also reminds us that as he has provided, we provide for others. God provides not just for us to to hoard it, but God provides so that we might share it. And the key words here, and if you'd like to put this in here, just write in your margin. Two words, gratitude and generosity. How do you practice gratitude? How do you practice that thankfulness to God in your life? How do you practice that in your your home, Uh, in your marriage, where you live with your neighbors? Gratitude to God for what he has done, for what he has given. And then gratitude leads to what? To generosity. To, to being, and what does that mean? Does that mean being generous um, with your finances? Well, it could be that. It's part of that. But are we a people of, of gen, are we a generous people when it comes to our time? Are, are we a generous, are we becoming a generous people when it comes to our attention of others? Are we a generous people when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus. Gratitude, generosity. The second thing, celebrating together emphasizes God's people. Pastor Jeff, uh, Josh mentioned this about the aspect of community. We were slaves. If you, look, if you read through that Deuteronomy passage, over and over, Moses reminds the people who they were. They were slaves in Egypt. They had no control. They were under the domination of others. And sometimes we are people who live like slaves. We live enslaved to our past. And maybe it's a failure. And there's there's not a one of us who is without sin. Jesus said to the people who wanted uh, him to cast judgment, uh, uh, condemnation on the woman caught in adultery, and there's all kinds of Weird things about that. If she's caught in adultery, where's the guy? You know, um, they didn't bring him. 
But he said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, he did say to the woman to go and sin no more, so it's not like he was, he was absolving her. But the point is, is that many of us live enslaved to our past, things that we've done. Or maybe it's not our past, maybe it still defines who we are now. It might be addictions of various kinds. It, it might be conflicts that we had. It might be difficult situations that we've had within our families or with our spouse or, or, or with someone else. And we forget, um, the Sunday school class here was talking about what the, the something of Satan, the, the, the bait of Satan. One of the, one of the themes, I think, of that, of that class is, is that Satan uses these things to try to keep us uh, ensnared. And we forget who we are in Christ. What has God called us? Sons and daughters in Christ. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, these are the words of Hosea that Peter quotes in 1 Peter chapter 2, but now you have received mercy. To declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. From slavery, from slaves to sons and daughters, beloved of God through Christ. When we receive Christ as our Savior, he forgives us. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And yes, there is growth, and yes, there are struggles, and yes, there are times when we sin, but we are sons and daughters. We are his. God's people. Community. What's the, what's the key phrase? This, these words. Identity in Christ. If you would write that in, in your margin. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is not by our farm. Our identity is not by our job. Our identity is not by our degree. Our identity is not by our bank account. Our identity is not by our looks. Our identity is not even by our family name. But our family name in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And hence, those that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, community. And the third thing, just point out briefly, is this, is that when we celebrate together, it emphasizes God's love. Now, what do I mean by that? It's God's love for those on the margins. He mentions them repeatedly in all three festivals, all three feasts, the Levites. Who are the Levites? The Levites were the people that, that, um, that served at the tabernacle and later the temple, weren't they? But what was one of the key things that the Levites could not have? Do you remember? Do you remember what the Levites did not receive with the rest of Israel? Yes, they didn't receive their inheritance. Specifically, what was the, the inheritance of everybody else? Land. You know, and it's, I think it's a key theme when you think about all these people groups. The things that they did not receive, they weren't connected to land, were they? Uh, a Levite wouldn't have had land. Uh, a male and female servant wouldn't have had land. The sojourner, what was the sojourner? The sojourner was a foreigner who had come to live within Israel to be a laborer, essentially. 
but was voluntarily joining the community of Israel. But the sojourner didn't have land and was always thought of as a sojourner. He, he or she could come and go if they wanted to. Um, the fatherless, the orphan, the widow, because the land was connected almost all exclusively through, through the males, through the, through, the, through the sons. Those people were on the margins. And those people, or could be, often were, were vulnerable. Uh, over in Deuteronomy chapter 10, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Um, verses uh, 18 and 19. It says... Um, and it's, it's in a larger context in which it talks about God's uh, special place in his heart. It says, God, Yahweh, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Celebrating together, emphasizes God's love for those on the margins. And so when we celebrate together God's provision and his goodness and who he makes us in Christ, we are also reminded that there are people on the margins of our society that are often forgotten or maybe kind of pushed away. And God says through Moses, you're to especially at those times remember them. Who are the people on the margins? Well, we still have the sojourners, don't we? The people from another area that have come to live, but they don't have any land. We, we still have the Levites, don't we? The pastors who don't own the property, uh, the land. We still have the widows, do we not? And we still have the fatherless. And we still have others that because of things in their lives, we are on the margins of our society. It's during those times that we specifically, when we celebrate, that we invite them to celebrate with us, that we remember them, that we, give, that we include them. Why? Because God loves them. And what's that last word there? That the... the um, the key word, that key word is mission. Mission. We have a mission. First Baptist Church of Plevna has a mission. And it's with those people that live around you. Yeah, maybe the next, the next ranch is 20 miles down the road. I don't know. Or maybe even further. But they're your neighbors, aren't they? If there's a problem, if there's a prairie fire, if there's a, if there's a problem with your cattle get out, if, if, there's, a, if there's an issue with a, someone being disabled and, and, and can't do certain things, can't work the cattle or whatever, what happens? Your, your neighbor's going to help you, aren't they? And you're going to help them. But maybe they also need to know Jesus. Maybe we need to let Jesus continue to work in us, to mature us, because maybe there's some things in our lives that are kind of getting in the way of their seeing Jesus in us. But we have a mission, don't we? You have a mission in Plevna, you have a mission around it. You have a mission that God, wherever he places you in your work, 
in your neighborhood, in your, in your area, in your family. We have a mission. You support missionaries cross-culturally. Great. Continue to do that. Fantastic. But don't forget your mission right here as well. God's love for those on the margins, for those not yet part of his family, or those who are kind of on the edges that we haven't really welcomed in as he welcomes them in. We have a challenge. We have an opportunity. We have a charge to celebrate. God invites us to do that. And as we bring him the glory, he gives us the joy to share together as his people. Celebrate in a harvest mission festival. Let's pray together, and then Pastor Josh is going to come and uh, 